You are listening to the VBAC Link Podcast. This is episode number 56, and today we are going to share a story from one of Julie's friends. Her name is Heather. She had a uterine rupture during a TOLAC after two cesareans. So, fair warning, we want to give a little bit of a trigger warning for some of those. Her story is not traumatic. However, we understand that these are very sensitive topics. So without further ado, I'm going to turn the time over to Julie, and then we will get into Heather's story. Yeah, I am so excited to hear Heather's story. She um, is my friend. We met at a consignment sale thing, and then she's just doing my hair forever. And then um, I had a baby, and then she had a baby, and um, and it's pretty exciting. And we were just talking before we got on the started recording and I'm like you should have just had me there at your birth and Heather was like well you had just had a baby and I was like oh yeah dang it I forgot that part (laughs) but anyways I'm going to get to the review of the week and this is from Lars Hatch on Apple Podcasts and she says Julie and Megan are so amazing at curating lots of different VBAC stories and scenarios as well as responsibly educating women with research-based facts I love their passion and that they don't shy away from difficult topics or make women feel judged for their choices. I'm definitely drinking the (laughs) Kool-Aid. I love that. Uh, I religiously binge the podcast. I'm in the Facebook group. I'm attending their birth class and I hired a doula. I know that by finding this one resource, I now feel like part of the VBAC birth supportive community. Thank you so much. And that makes me so happy. Like everything Aww. about that review makes me happy. Uh, I'm glad Lars Hatch. Thank you so much for the review. Thank you for telling us how we've helped you feel part of the VBAC community. And if this is who I think it is, we love you a lot. <laughs> and I just wanted to kind of, I, I love that review for this episode because that's one thing we're trying to do more is, um, sharing seaback stories and even a uterine upshare story every once in a while because while most women who attempt a VBAC will be successful and while uterine rupture is incredibly rare it does happen and so we feel like it would be a disservice to you as our listener as our woman of strength to not share those stories too and then hopefully you can learn for them and prepare for them as you educate yourself to prepare for your birth after cesarean. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. We wanted to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's podcast episode, Leche Love Breast Milk Jewelry. If you have never heard of breast milk jewelry, you are in for a treat. We know as cesarean moms and as VBAC moms how important and special that breastfeeding journey is. Whether you breastfeed for for a day or a year or two or three years even, Leche Love is 
here to make a special keepsake for you to remember that significant jewelry. I just got my pieces in the mail today that I had made with my friend's donor milk that fed my baby, and I am so excited with how they turned out. Make sure you head over to our Instagram page because we are going to have pictures there, a special video also of me presenting my friend with this gift. But anyways, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about Leche Love. They make it so easy for mamas to celebrate their breastfeeding journey with a beautiful piece of jewelry. They take care of all the hassle and the cost of shipping your milk to them. As soon as you place an order, they send you a collection container with a prepaid return envelope and shipping is always free. The total amount of time from when I place my order and then got my completed piece back was less than two weeks. We love Leche Love. They have a special treat for all of our listeners. Everyone can get $10 off of any of their designs at mylechelove.com by using promo code VBAC at checkout. That's $10 off any design at mylechelove, that's M-Y-L-E-C-H-E-L-O-V-E.com by using the promo code VBAC at checkout. Good morning, women of strength. Today, Heather is going to share an inspiring story to you. She's going to tell you all about her journey, and I don't really want to get too much into it because I don't want to share her story since I don't really know much, but Heather, are you ready? Because we are excited to hear your story. Sure. Hopefully, you can like understand me. If not, Julie can translate. Yeah, <laughs> she's I, from, wait. I have kind of an accent. <laughs> Kentucky, Oklahoma, Tennessee. I know. I'm just kidding. Where are you from? I'm from Tennessee. Tennessee. <clears throat> but okay. I live in Utah. Yeah. 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 That's okay. how she cuts my hair. I don't uh, love her that much like to go to Tennessee. Six to, almost six years. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I we love have it. listeners from all over the country, so you're probably speaking somebody's yep. language. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> okay. We're going to start. Okay. So I've had, I had had two previous C-sections. 10 years apart, actually. My daughter, my oldest daughter is 13, and my middle daughter is three. So I'd had uh, two previous C-sections planned. They were both planned. And then with Logan, um, I had decided that we were going to try for a VBAC after the two C-sections, even though I was kind of high risk anyway because I had uh, diabetes, not just gestational, but just general type 2 diabetes. So I knew it was a little bit of a risk, but I wanted to take it because I felt like it was something that I was going to be able to do or at least try to do. And I felt supported in that from my friends and from uh, things that I'd read that it was possible. So that's what I decided to do. I talked to Julie actually about a couple of different providers. The one that she wanted me to go to didn't take my insurance, so I couldn't go there. I know, right? So lame. Yeah. So I found one at the U. He was semi, I guess, supportive. Um, He was supportive in the fact that he would let me try, but he wasn't super supportive because he was worried about the diabetes. So, which is, I mean, it's it's a a valid reason. But anyway, so on March 31st, I... Logan wasn't, we had our Sunday, Easter, whatever, general conference stuff. And I, Logan wasn't really moving a lot at all. So I was a little worried because he was pretty active. So I called and they told me to come in for monitoring. So we went in and 
I got a resident that was very pushy, <laughs> and he wanted to do a C-section right then, and I was like, yeah, nope, that's uh. not going to happen. <laughs> so they called my regular doctor, and then they called the attending in, and the attending was like, nope, she can do, she can try, whatever, she can try. So we called my do the doula I had originally chosen would have been Julie, but she just had a baby. <laughs> I'm one so I rude. Chosen, <laughs> I know, Why right? did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> the one I had originally chosen was actually actually was out of town. She was coming back in town the next day, and she was out of town. So I got her kind of backup, who was just starting. And poor girl, I think I scared her to death with this, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> scared her away. But anyway, I got her back up, and so we called her, and she came out, and she was really supportive as far as you know, helping us with breathing techniques and making sure that the doc, uh, the nurses realized that I wanted these certain things to happen. So anyway, I did some. They started pitocin, and I was doing really well. I wasn't. Like, I, I was having some pain, but not really. I got in the water. I stayed in the water and tried to get rid of some of the pain. And I went out. As I, I had kept having these pains in my left side, the whole, like, the whole end of my pregnancy, they were really just sharp, crazy pains. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got in the tub, when I was getting out, I had one. And the baby's heart rate, like, shot up really fast. And then it went back down, and it was okay. So I got back into Weird. the bed. Yeah, and I still hadn't had an epidural at this point, um, and they had really, they had really pushed that pitocin, like they cranked it up, and I didn't. Which know is surprising it at the U. Usually they're like yeah. really nice and slow <clears throat> with the pitocin, especially for a VDAC. No. Well, this was this was several hours later, so mm. I was in uh, labor for a total of twenty eight hours, mm. twenty something. I don't remember twenty something hours, like twenty or twenty nine hours. Mm-hmm. But they had at this point when I got in the bath, they had cranked it up pretty good. And I got back, and when I was getting out, I had that pain again. So they got me in the bed. I was laying down, and they were telling me that I needed to get an epidural, and I still didn't want to because I wanted to do it natural. <clears throat> well, then they told me that if I didn't get an epidural and I had to have an emergency C-section, that I would have to be put to sleep. So I was like, okay, give me an epidural because I didn't want to be put to sleep. So they gave me one, and I went through the rest of the night. They did checks pretty frequently. My doula left. Um, it was just me and my husband and they were doing checks pretty frequently and the baby just, they had done a fully bulb, fully bulb too, and it really didn't do anything and they just, nothing was progressing. Well, then all of a sudden, like, I don't know, they broke my water and then like all heck broke loose and I started progressing really fast. I got to an eight and they pulled the cart in for me to start pushing and everything. And the baby's heart rate started going uh, dropping really, really low. So they flipped me on my side, the left side, which was the side that I kept having those pains in. Mm-hmm. And it hurt, so they flipped me back over. And then the attending check, or not the attending, the re- resident checked me, and he said that the baby was, what's it called? Where its face is down. Posterior. Oh, face down? Yeah. Face yeah. down or face or up? up? Or up. Yeah. Where he's not supposed to be. Isn't it, oh, I was like, poster, I was like, anterior is face down. <laughs> Whichever yeah. way he's Backwards. not supposed to be. <laughs> Wrong way. <laughs> he was, yeah. Whatever. Whichever way he's not supposed to be is the way that he was at. Mm-hmm. And I have a very tilted uh, pelvic bone in you, or pelvis anyway. Mm. So they he turned him around in utero. 
Mm. Yeah, that wasn't fun. Internal version. Are you still yeah. are you still on Pitocin at this point, or did they turn it off since you're progressing? So I fast? couldn't tell you. Oh, mm. I don't I, remember. I honestly don't. I honestly don't know. I think it was still on because my mm. IV was still on, and by this time Emily had come over because I had uh, Emily, my, my the young mom. Emily, or Emily, the older Brooksby. Emily. Brooksby, Emily Brooksby. Oh, Emily Brooksby. I thought you were talking about the midwife. Oh, you're not even with midwife. No. Never mind. No. Go on. Yeah, Emily (laughs) Brooksby. At this point, she had come over because my sister-in-law had texted her and told her that we were having issues, that the baby's heart rate kept dropping, and Mm -hmm. I was kind of, I wasn't really panicking, but I was kind of worried. So Emily came over to kind of just be there and make sure that what I wanted was going on, and she was like rubbing my feet and rubbing my back and trying to get me to to breathe. (laughs) Well, whenever he flipped the baby over, I, Kirk was holding, my husband was holding my hand and Emily was on the other side. And I looked at my husband and I said, I swear to you, a zipper just went off inside of my tummy. <gasps> like my right. It's like right and when he turned the baby? When he turned the baby. Oh yeah. My gosh. I, said, I swear it feels like a zipper just went <gasps> off. And then his heart rate dropped again. So they flipped me on my left side and I swear it felt like a knife, a hot knife had been, not that I've ever been stabbed, but I imagine it's what it would feel like. It had went through that spot that had been hurting. Oh, my gosh. And so, anyway, at, at that point, I was in so much pain. I just yeah. couldn't breathe. The baby's Even with the epidural, you yes. were in a lot of pain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were, the nurses kept saying, oh, it's just where the spot where the epidural is not covering. It's just a spot where the epidural is not covering. And Emily looked at her and she goes, it is not that. She's been hurting in that same spot prior to even coming in here. It's not that. You guys need to figure it out and get the attending in here now. So I wonder if there's a little bit of dehiscence going, like a little separation going Mm -hmm. on before you even got to the hospital. Yeah, that's what possibly. Yeah. uh, They don't. They did an ultrasound. They didn't see anything when I got there. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's hard to pick up dehiscence on an ultrasound. Yeah. So anyway, that was that little spot. They kept Wow. Yeah. And so Emily had told them to get the intending in there right then. Good for her. So they listened to they listened to her. I'm glad she was there. They listened mm-hmm. to her. The attending came in. At that point I was in so much pain. I was shaking all over. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't I couldn't breathe. I couldn't do it. They had oxygen on me. I was of course I was panicked for the baby because his heart rate kept going up and down and up and down. Mm-hmm. And I I couldn't even get any words out. And my husband was holding my hand and I just looked at my husband and I, I couldn't say anything. All I said was prayer. Right now. Mm-hmm. Just prayer. That's all the only word I could say. And he couldn't talk because he was kind of panicking. So um, and we said a prayer, all of us together. Mm-hmm. And the attending actually came in and she was she had her she's she had her hand on my arm while they were saying the prayer. And I didn't realize it until I opened my eyes. But um, it was my mom, my sister-in-law, Emily, and my husband and myself. They did that and she came in and was talking to me. I honestly could not tell you anything she said. And the attending, I mean, not the attending, the resident kept trying to talk to me from between my legs. <laughs> and I was like, I can't hear you. There's oxygen's going on and I'm panicking. So the attending actually, once she got in there, she came to my side and started talking to me and was telling me that the heart rate, the baby's heart rate, if we didn't, if I couldn't push then, then we would need to get him out. Mm-hmm. That his heart rate tro- kept dropping. Well, then all of a sudden, everything went cold blue. Like she'd walked mm-hmm. out. She had walked out because she told me, you know, can't push in the next few minutes we're going to have to talk about a c-section or whatever mm-hmm. at that point i was still in pain but i was conscious enough to figure out what was going on well then she walked out and once she walked out she hadn't been going out of the room 20 seconds and the baby coded mm. so they 
15 million people came in the room yeah and rushed me out and rushed me to the OR and they put me to sleep anyway yeah. <laughs> I don't know what well when it's that, that emergent yeah there's not a lot of time you know it takes 20 to yeah. 30 minutes for an epidural to take effect enough right. to operate yeah so they they put me to sleep and Kirk didn't they did what they call a splash so funny story they did what they call a splash and go um, where they just throw the stuff everywhere and mm-hmm. <laughs> they just cut you know, I was still awake as they were cutting yeah oh um and it's urgent. I just seen, yeah, it was, there was no screen up, nothing. They yeah. Just, minutes matter. Seconds everywhere. matter. Yeah. 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 But the only thing I can remember thinking is, man, that looks like Dr. Pepper. I'd really like to have a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> you would. <laughs> that was the last, that was, yes. That was my last thought before I went under it. I would like to have a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> You're <laughs> diabetic. <hours. laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so anyway, they, they, they didn't even have time for Kirk to come back there. Yeah. So I was freaking out, obviously, internally yeah. and externally. And I kept asking where my husband was. And I was like, no, you can't take the baby out until he's back here. And, like, I was <laughs> freaking out. And then there's a male nurse at the U. Um, he came around to the side of the bed. And he grabbed my hand. And I swear to you, he looked just like my brother when I turned around and looked. And my brother's dead. Mm-hmm. He looked just like him. I swear. It was <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. But when I looked at him, that's what he looked like. He said, Your I'm here and I'm not leaving you. was with you. Yeah. Yeah, he said, I'm here and I'm not leaving you. Mm-hmm. And then my, then I closed my, yeah. yeah, I don't know if my eyes were already closed and I was just seeing him and hearing him mm-hmm. or what, but I, that's the last thing I remember. But um, evidently my poor husband sat there for hours before knowing if my baby and I were dead mm-hmm. or alive. Oh, my goodness. But she said it was one of the worst ruptures she's ever seen in her career. Wow. The attending. Wow. And she's been, she's been a doctor for 20-something years. Mm. So, yeah, she said it was the worst rupture she'd ever seen. Um, it was basically when they got it open, um, Logan coded. Um, he wasn't breathing when he came out because of the blood and all the stuff that had gotten in from yeah. the rupture. Mm-hmm. He was back. Obviously, he was. They turned him around, so he was butt side up, mm-hmm. and the rupture spread from his butt all the way to his shoulders, like the whoa, it was spider web. holy cow, whoa, yeah, whoa, kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you crying? Don't cry. You don't cry. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm okay. Not I can just hear your voice a little bit, and I'm like, you know, if you cry, I cry, and I don't cry no, either. I need to put a blanket on. But okay. Anyway, no, I'm no, I'm good. I'm not gonna cry. No, it was. It. I would have. I mean, I did. I have. I don't. I normally don't cry with the brick, but he. They said. He. She said it was from his butt all the way to his shoulders. He wasn't breathing when he came out. Wow. And they he had bruises all on his back where they they got him to breathe. Mm-hmm. By the time I seen him. I swear my and I told my mom I said funny that my brother was with me and my grandmother wasn't cuz I was really really close to her. I said never mind, she was with the baby. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, he had bruises all up and down his back. He did spend a little bit of time in the in the NICU. They came and got my husband. Or actually they didn't come and get him. They were walking down the hall and my sister-in-law and Emily stopped her stopped them and made them tell my husband what the heck was going on. Whoa. And they're like, oh, yeah, your baby's in the NICU. <laughs> wow. And he's like, what about my wife? And they're like, we still don't know. <laughs> so they took him to the NICU, um, and it was a couple hours more, I think, on me, um, the close-up and the, the repair and everything. 
Did they have to do a hysterectomy on you? No. No, she repaired. I don't know why. I'd rather just take it in away, but yeah. she repaired and tied my tubes while we were under there. Yeah, that <clears> that sounds like, yeah, really, really yeah. crazy rupture. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's what I was surprised that she didn't take it out. But no, she repaired it. And, uh, but he, he, for a couple hours, he didn't know whether I was dead or alive. <laughs> he had no idea. What a traumatic no experience for him. Yeah, for him, definitely. Like, is he yeah, seeing, him. like, uh, is he getting, like, counseling or anything to, like, work through that? Processing or grief? No, he's good. He's good. <laughs> we'll see. He's, he's no, I know. No, he's, he really is. He's, he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's very strong. He's good. As long, yeah. Now that we're okay, now, you know, once we're okay, yeah. he's fine. Yeah. He just, it's just a couple hours of not knowing what was going on. Oh, and my gosh. I can't my, him, my mom was, my mom, too, was there, so she was yeah. pretty panicked. <laughs> my sister-in-law, who's also my best friend. Yeah. Who was my best friend way before she was my sister-in-law. But, yeah, so, anyway, it, um, I coded on the table hmm. um, from the bleeding, I guess, or shock. I don't know what. <laughs> I have no idea what caused it. Mm-hmm. They still oh. don't know what caused it. But um, I didn't even know that until after, uh, the night after I had Logan, the nurses were like, you need to check her oxygen and check her breathing every hour because she coded on the table. And I was like, say what? I did what? Because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't tell anybody. Yeah. No one knew. So anyway, that's pretty much the story. Like um, there were some things that were done wrong that could have been done better. There were some things I should have done myself. I should have called Julie. <laughs> I should have not had a baby. I mean, who? Well, no, I just meant call. What's wrong with me? Hey, I got I pregnant first. Called. So well, that's... you were in labor. You mean call Julie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I meant, well, well, see, I had called her the first time I thought I was in labor. I was mm-hmm. texting her. Yeah. I was texting Julie the first time I thought I was in labor. And then for some reason, when I was really in labor, I didn't want to bother her. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't know why either. You bother me all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why the, the real thing came and I didn't want to. But then. Also, my friend Michelle is also a doula, and she texts me, and she's like, I was, you're on my mind. Are you okay? Is everything okay? And I didn't even, and she's like, do you want me to come over there? And I told her no, and I should have said yes. Yeah. Well, but, I should have had <laughs> someone that knew me. <laughs> those, it's hard because you can go back and, like, reanalyze and do that. I should have, I should have, I should have. But yeah. But who knows if, have, if sure. doing those things would have would have caused something to happen that would have been worse. Like, yeah, who knows? True. I probably yeah, would have told you, oh, no, don't get the epidural, it. don't do this, or I don't know, like, I probably wouldn't say that because I usually don't say do yeah. or don't do anything. Um, but, like, yeah. who knows? Like, the right person or the wrong right or wrong person's influence could have taken things completely different direction That's that true. you didn't want. So, so I think that, I mean, I know that you're, like, a very intuitive person, and I know that you had family there that you couldn't even see watching over you and I believe Mm -hmm. that while I would never call like a uterine rupture birth perfect I think that for this like regarding the situation (laughs) it probably played out exactly as it needed to for you and your baby to be safe you know due to forces that we don't even know that's true that's very true I'm I just feel like I feel I guess I say that because I feel like maybe I should have had a little more like I don't know. There's certain things I should have asked questions about or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, you could have all. You can always do the shoulda, coulda, woulda. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and there's lots of things. Well, I'm grateful that you and cute little Logan are safe. <laughs> Me- Megan's going to share some things about uterine rupture, but before she gets into it, I just I want to make a note to 
those that are listening that uterine ruptures are not very likely. We already said nope. that at the beginning and you kind of already, and, and I mean, everyone listening probably knows that by now. You know, one in, I think it's one in 100 and, no, one in 250 chance of a uterine rupture at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a catastrophic rupture, which is like loss of baby or or uterus, happens one in 16 of those times. So that equals about one in 170, or I'm sorry, one in 762 TOLAX, so like trial of labor after cesarean, one in catastrophically, which is either loss of infant life or, or uterus. And so it... Heather, you you didn't lose your life. Your baby didn't lose his nope. life and you didn't lose your uterus. But that sounds pretty dang catastrophic to me. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> you were pretty dang close to that. And so um, we were in the right place. Yeah, you yeah. were in the right place. And the U is, it has really a great was. team. They have a great team of doctors and they're pre- prepared to yep. handle um, all of those emergencies. That and doctor so, was absolutely amazing. Yeah. And so being I'm, right next to children's, I'm sure helped. Yeah, too. primary children's. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, before I get into talking all about uterine rupture, since it's Megan's turn to do that, I'm going to oh, yeah. turn it to her. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, and that's kind of just what I was going to touch on is, you know, uterine rupture is rare. We we know that. The stats show that. Obviously, you know, we've got lots of episodes showing that successful VBAC happens happens all the time. However, mm-hmm. we know that uterine rupture does happen. And as Julie was kind of talking, she's like, I wonder if there was dehiscence going on. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about that. And um, a uterine, there's a couple different types of uterine things that can happen. It's not always just a big open, you know, tear of the uterine wall. There can be a uterine window, which is where as the baby grows, the uterus stretches and it becomes thin. And you can kind of look in and see if you kind of think of what like an amniotic sac would look like with a baby, like it's, it's like a window, right? Like so a frosted glass. Yeah. Like you can kind of <laughs> see through it because it's thinner. So, and then there's uterine dehiscence and that's where you know, there's three layers of the uterus, and that's where not all three layers separate, but it starts to. So the the first two can separate. Um, it doesn't go all the way through the uterine wall. And there was a ten a ten year Canadian study that was done on full rupture versus like uterine dehiscence. And over the ten years, there was 114,933 deliveries in this in this 10 years and 39 cases uh, was you had uterine rupture 18 were complete like heather and 21 were incomplete or a dehiscence you know or uterine window so that is you know that's a really big number that we can look at and say okay well only 18 of them were complete so there is proof right there it does happen but thank goodness um, everyone was okay in all of those. And then there's the the full uterine uterine rupture where it goes through all three layers of the uterine wall. So to, we have a blog today that talks about putting uterine rupture into perspective, kind of just what Julie was just saying, um, what the odds are and what Heather was saying. And then also um, reducing risks of rupture and also how to know those signs of rupture. So Heather's doula knew something was not right. Mm-hmm. 
I personally have witnessed a rupture. Um, it was just a small rupture. However, there were definitely signs and I saw that. And so knowing those signs and those risks, especially going into your VBAC, it's good to know. So check out our blog today. It is at thevbaclink.com slash blog. You can find the link in the show notes as well. So if you go over there, it might help you put uterine rupture a little bit more into perspective. And we also have a special episode just on uterine rupture. It's special yes. episode eight. eight. It's just a couple episodes mm-hmm. back. So tune into that too and educate yourself. And one thing um, I just want to add too is, you know, following your intuition and listening mm-hmm. to that inner voice about where you need to go and who your provider needs to be and their, your birth location is very important. You know, um, if uterine rupture happens, it's not always something that's this big catastrophic event like it like it was with Heather's baby. But if you're if you do have a uterine rupture, it's usually pretty necessary to get the baby out pretty quickly. And being you know being at home, just if you're if you're birthing at home then being a close distance to a hospital is pretty important thing or having a good backup plan is a is a pretty important thing or if something in your head is telling you telling you that your provider's not the right fit or your hospital's right not the right fit or your home birth's not the right fit listen to that because mm-hmm. your mama heart and your gut we have a special episode 9 with Lynn Christian our business mentor that talks about um the neuro connections between our head our heart and our gut and how those three things together we're learning more about how much they impact our neurological function and our decision making overall and so if something doesn't feel right to you whether during pregnancy or while you're in labor, listen to that. Get a doula or another dedicated support person that is familiar with birth and rupture and VBAC that can pay attention to you and speak up when you can't speak up for yourself or speak up when they notice something is going wrong Mm -hmm. and then demand that somebody pays attention to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that Heather made all those right choices so that in that event that something bad did happen, the right people were there to take care of her, to give her her and her baby the best chances of um, having an, a happy, healthy life. So there's my little soapbox stepping down. <laughs> to go along with that, I, people thought I was crazy from driving from Lehigh all the way to the U. But yeah. Like I told you, I told you when I was pregnant with him, I felt like that's where I needed to be. Yep. You did. And you listened to that. And it's a, it was an hour, it's an hour drive for everyone that doesn't realize that it's an, it's about an hour drive. I'm a little longer if it's traffic time. So that was a big choice. And a lot of people would just automatically rule that out despite, despite maybe feeling otherwise, but no, you, you listened to it. You listened to that voice and, and you made the right choice Absolutely. and you were in the right spot. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to thevbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.